scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> Hi, Creepsters. I'm Barry Marino. I'm Philip Landry. And I'm Claudia Williams. And welcome to another special bonus episode of Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. Tonight's guest is the priestess Claudia Williams. And um, she's just this fascinating lady, written a lot of good books. And Philip's going to give us a good interview, aren't you, Philip? Yes, and we're actually recording from Starling Magical Occult Shop at 1022 Royal Street in the middle of the French Quarter. And also, just to mention, uh, and you can say hi, her husband, Jan Spacek, is actually here with us as well, sitting in. So Hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's here. We I had, I had to mention him. Uh, <laughs> I'm just in the background, that's all. Yeah, I'm, I'm Roz in this one, you know. You're, you're still one, one half of the couple that runs the Starling. He, he uh, is. Sure enough. No. Your business partners and uh, life partners, so yeah. So, um, tell tell the listeners a little bit, uh, Priestess Claudia, or should I just say, uh, for, to me oh, you're just Claudia. Sake, just to Claudia. me you're just Claudia. Yes. She's, Claudia, if y'all, if y'all heard me, I think I mentioned before, she has been my spiritual mentor, mother. I have, it's going on almost two decades now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but tell the listeners a little bit about um, what y'all do do at the shop or what y'all do at the location here on Royal Street and how long y'all been doing it? Oh, okay, we opened in 1995, so we are the oldest all-practice occult shop in New Orleans. Wow. And uh, thank you. Yeah, we're pretty proud <laughs> of that. We deal with the supplies that practitioners of pretty much anything uh, that one practices that would be considered not traditional Judeo-Christian Islam religion uh, needs. And so we have oils and incenses, herbs, we have uh, services that we can perform for people, um, jewelry, talismans, all the things you'd expect to see and a few things you might not uh, in an occult shop. And we're not a huge shop, but we are very well packed. So pretty much anything anyone needs, we either have it, or we can make it, or we can get it for you pretty quickly. And you have a website, right? We don't currently have a website. It's one of those things that's been in the working for a while. We did have one before Katrina, and there was a problem afterward. But we do have a Facebook page, which is Starling Magical Occult Shop, comma, New Orleans. And we will add that into the show notes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, right now, we had some damage from Hurricane Ida. We're still working on uh, repairing some things. So right now, we're not open, but we will be shortly. And that doesn't mean that if you need something, if you um, just message us, we can't get it for you. We can. We can, we can get it to you. And we are doing a lot of shipping to people. Uh, and, of course, readings can be done. So, uh, yeah, we do psychic readings at the shop. Uh, Everything that you'd expect from a Nicole shop. Now, you have, we were mentioning your title of 
priestess. Uh, explain to the uh, listeners what is your your main uh, occult practice. I mean, I know you do have more than one practice, but what is the main one that you work with? The deities that you work with, the main. Oh, for me. Uh, oh, you're getting controversial all over the place already. Oh, I am. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> because well, no, it's not bad. I just, I just, you got, you got right in there, didn't you? Because you know, uh, for me, my practice personally is what is known as um, New Orleans Creole or Creole New Orleans or just New Orleans Voodoo, and that's a controversial thing because. There are many people who will tell you that doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Only Haitian voodoo is real voodoo. Of course, the Voodoo people of Africa think that they have the right to the word, and that's voodoo, and their deities are different from the Haitian deities. I work primarily, actually, with the Orisha, who are more um, the as the same deities came over from Africa with enslaved people they morphed into different things depending on where those people wound up in the caribbean and then in south america they morphed into what is known as the orisha and those are the deities that i work with and they correspond very much to the loa who are the haitian deities but they're not exactly the same well this 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 was to help give them a framework of on the the spiritual side what you're working with also um before we get, we're going to actually get into some of your um, publications in a moment, and mainly the new book, which is Sage Advice Concerning Paranormal Events, <laughs> yeah. which we'll, we'll be getting into that. Um, but give them, uh, the listeners, a little bit of history about also just your overall work as a psychic. Um, I was, I, I, I mean, I don't remember not being psychic. So I was born this way, and I would pick up on energies that uh, would give me information, and I'd tell my parents, and then it would happen, and they'd look at me a little weirdly, uh, and that's just how it was. Um, eventually, I got really interested in things like tarot because tools that help focus the energy are very helpful, at least to me. Yes. Uh, they synthesize down the time it takes to read. They synthesize um, images so that sometimes I can point to an image and show someone I'm uh, working with. You see what he's doing, and you see why that's not a good idea? Uh, like the Seven of Swords, for example. You shouldn't be holding swords by the blade, baby. You know, so that is, uh, it's easy for them to look at that image and go, oh, okay, I get that, rather than Mike saying, you're potentially hurting yourself, taking on too much, holding on to too much. That's a little too abstract. If you can look at that and say, oh, I get it, that's helpful. Uh, I started reading professionally back in the 80s. Um, I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> you and do not look a thousand years old. She's a vampire. No, I get a lot of the vampire jokes. You, yeah. look, you look, you look about, I'd say, thirty years younger than you actually are. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, I work hard at it. I will say, I work hard at it. Yeah. We were all believing at one point she was aging in reverse. 
Yeah. <laughs> we thought you were having a Benjamin Buttons moment at one point. Well, and I don't want to go back to being like a baby. Right. But, right. Uh, no, no. Yeah. no I, I work hard at it, but I am a thousand years old. So I have been doing this a very long time. And uh, God bless my parents. Neither one of them were very uh, spiritual or interested. But being psychic meant that, for instance, when they put me in um, Sunday school as a little kid, uh, I remember one day, I believe I was four or five, and they they would take me there, or actually somebody else would take me, um, and then my parents would pick me up. And I remember coming out of it one day, and they had had this little felt board that you put little... um, picture things that stuck to the felt on and they were telling us about Jesus and this and that and I walked out of there and I remember saying to my father I don't remember what sparked this but I remember saying to my father you know they're lying they don't know what they're talking about and my father said well they do you know they're they're professionals at this and I said no they don't know (laughs) and I don't want to do this anymore and he said, well, we want you to learn something about, uh, a little bit about your, your background, your family background and so forth. And I said, well, how come I got to do it and you don't do it? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, y- y- you and mom don't go to church on Sunday. You just pick me up after all that stuff. I will continue going to Sunday school if you come with me and you go to church. Well, that was the end of Sunday school. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was the end of it right there. And then I began to become very young. This started when I was um, eight. Uh, I remember it vividly. I became very interested in the paranormal and the occult. And my my parents, thank God, were uh, a little put off or a little confused, but they were thrilled that I was reading and I was interested. So they would get me books on these things and they would be wow. adult books. You know, people didn't do children's occult books at that time. <laughs> no. That was just not a thing. So I could read at an adult level uh, when it came to occult philosophies and things like that. And I loved it. It made me very happy, and it made my parents happy because I was reading, and that made me more articulate. And uh, So fortunately, they were in that way supportive. Now, wildly, once we moved, I I grew up in New York City. My husband did too. Uh, We moved here in 1995. And once we got here, um, I was put... I, I stumbled upon um, my brother, who I didn't know existed. We didn't grow up together. We grew up very, very differently. But he, too, is a professional psychic. And we're very tight. His name is Philip Humphreys, and I'll give a shout-out. He's the head psychic over at Marie Laveau's voodoo shop over on, uh, now on Bourbon Street in a new location, but it looks really great. And... Then, another cousin that I didn't know existed, who is also a professional psychic, 
Uh, so it obviously really runs in the family, but I didn't know that growing up. I did. I only found that out within the past twenty-five years. So yeah, that's been fascinating. So that's uh, that's how I got into it, and it includes a lot of different things. You know, you you're working with occult things, which is everything from the incenses to the beliefs of the particular system, and all the stuff in between, and then the paranormal which you don't have to be an occultist to be interested in or study paranormal right. things. I mean, just so, yeah, look, look now on like what Discovery Plus, they have a whole section on just paranormal. Oh, now. good Lord, well, yeah. Because people are just... Paranormal stuff came to me naturally. Yeah. I, had, I used to have them come to me when I was a child, and I thought they were monsters. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of them. But as I got older, I started to recognize them more. And I see, speak to my loved ones all the time. Right. And you were talking about Sunday school. In my case, it was catechism. Well, yeah. And I had nuns to deal with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a whole new show right there. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That's that's volumes. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So now that we have the now that the listeners have a framework of your expertise that goes on, I want to kind of mention the publications that you've worked on, and then we're going to get in mainly into sage advice concerning paranormal events. Sure. So one of the early publications you actually did was Haunted Spaces, Public Places. Yes. And it's actually about all these haunted places actually in New Orleans, in the French Quarter. Aren't all of them in the French Quarter, I think? They are all in the French yeah. Quarter. And uh, that book has been around for, for some time now and in fact is getting a redo. It will include some more stories about each place that's in the book. As Wonderful. well as a new place that is not mentioned in that book, but um, that I've had a lot of experience in, and we have a lot of uh, fascinating stuff um, go on, and that would be uh, right here where you're sitting. That would be this house. Our house is actually considered by a number of paranormal investigators the most active house uh, with paranormal activity in New Orleans. Not necessarily wild, like, you know, throwing things at your head uh, activity, but there's a great deal of activity here, and we've had some absolutely bizarre experiences. Um, and we even have a tour that comes, and you can do a hunt with them, the New Orleans uh, Paranormal Society, if anyone's interested in doing that. Uh, reach out to them, and they will hook you up with uh, taking you yes. here, bringing you here, and they have all the meters and all this, the various devices that you see on the TV uh, shows. They teach <coughs> you how to use them. They teach you what exactly they do and why they're helpful and why they're important. And I join uh, sometimes. Often I don't, but uh, sometimes I do come in and add... Uh, the mediumship part of it uh, to the people, and they like that. And I may be doing a, um, we're calling it a ghost party once in a while, um, hosting people who are interested in the backstories of many of these hauntings, because you don't learn that on the hunt. You learn a little bit about it, but your focus is learning to do the hunting and learning to use the equipment. Uh, and then some people want to know more about the particular the history, ghosts yeah. and the history. Wonderful. And so we're um, we're putting that together now. 
Excellent. You know, Philip, we need to describe the room we're sitting in. Oh, go, go ahead, you Barry. Want to do it or you want to do no, it? you take a moment. You describe. Okay, I'm going to take a moment to describe. We are sitting in the room right now. Actually, the, the, uh, the laptop and the microphone are sitting on what looks to be a coffin. It is a coffin. <laughs> it is a coffin. And directly across from me is this really, really cool fireplace. And then on there is another coffin with a voodoo doll inside. It's open. There's some really, really beautiful pottery work. And there's a candle. What candle is that? I can't really make it up. That is a Seven African Powers candle, I think. I don't have my lenses in. Yes, it is, actually. Yeah. And I love the the box with the little skulls on it. They are pretty cool. Oh, we we really ought to get some pictures and put it on uh, Instagram. We we will do that. We'll make sure you take some pictures so you can post that. Oh, absolutely. This house is a sort of, it's a psychic phenomenon in itself because... When we bought this house, we just fell in love with it. We came here. We knew we wanted to move to New Orleans. We looked at a few houses. This was the first one we saw, and we fell in love with it. My husband particularly fell in love with it, uh, but both of us did. And while we were in the process of buying it, because Napoleonic Code is strange, and every other place in the country you take the title and you show that it's now yours. In Louisiana, it's a little backwards, and it's more like proving someone else doesn't have it. It's, it's weird. But anyway, while we were in the process of taking the title to the house and, and um, renovating it a bit so that it could be a home to live in because it was a law firm um, when we bought it, uh, we discovered that it was, in fact, built in 1849 by an ancestor of mine, Wow. who was uh, Jean Lafitte, the pirate's either son or grandson. Uh, we didn't know that when we bought it. That we, we learned that in the process after we'd already started all the uh, process of you know, buying. It takes a little while to buy a house. It doesn't happen overnight. And we've had people since, especially when we first bought the house, we've had people say, are you, are you having problems? And we didn't, I didn't know what that meant for a long time. And they'd say, aren't you the, the young woman whose people built this house? And I said, yes. And I would always wonder how they learned that. I never knew. We never have figured out <clears throat> how the, but New Orleans is a very small town uh, for a big city. And shortly we came to know that there had been all kinds of stories of this place being so haunted that there was one family we have the paperwork of the police records now they left everything they own and ran away from it in the 20s uh one night because they were so terrified and the police described that they were called and they described what they hear and what's going on and they can't find any reason for it either and so what happened when we came they said aren't you afraid we said, well, you know, every house in the quarter, they're all so old. Of course, they're going to have some activity. Yeah, uh, right. That that we were expecting that, but there's never been anything horrible. And they were quite the, the old people at the time. Most of them are gone now. Uh, would be quite amazed at this. And the longer we've been here, the more we discover that, as one of them put it. Um, it must be 
and I think this is really true. That house wanted its blood back. Yeah, and well, I believe that. my blood is literally in the walls of this house, and anyone who comes here and is in any way um, not positive toward me, because the house has a strange way of showing them they're not welcome. Uh, if if they're not right to me or to Jan or to you know my people, my loved ones, uh, who are here, then the house will let them know you're not welcome, leave. And they do. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, that's my solid belief. You were meant to be here, and you are preserving not just the spiritual history of this house, but the entire community around it. We, yeah. We're doing our best. It is an expensive proposition. We're always looking for grants and things to help bring it back to the way it should be, um, because when they made it into a law firm, they did some strange things. And we've been trying to undo those and bring them back to what they were before. At least you could tell what it had been. You could see where a certain molding had been and what it looked like, and let's bring that back. Exactly. Uh, but it's a process, and it's ongoing. I mean, we've had the house seven, 27 years now, yeah. and uh, it's still ongoing. <laughs> I think, I think that's going to be for the rest of your life. Going <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. I, I think it's a continued work. Um, it's a work in progress. Very much so, yeah. So your next publication, which I actually remember when this was actually published, I was mm. so excited to get my copy, like many people around the world, which I'll mention in a second. And the title is Manifesting Magic with Veves and Sigils. Right. Um, one of the most, and reason I said around the world, I remember you telling me one of the most interesting things was is how many people you had in Romania, and we actually I think we have listeners in we Romania. have listeners Quite in Romania, and uh, but many of them were buying this book. Many yes, of the people. Yeah, um, I am big in Europe. <laughs> uh, these are all they're all uh, sigils or veves. Now some people get very upset because I call them veves. Veves are uh, technically a Haitian term for uh, symbols that call to the Haitian deities. But in the book, there are uh, symbols that are particularly dealing with those deities. So that's why it says Veves and sigils. Um, and yes, I'm big in Europe Check with that one. We, I get When I get my little residual check, and I do mean little... And you know, because <laughs> know. you have a book too, uh, it's not a big check, but it does run down where the orders came from. Exactly. And uh, yeah, Eastern Europe is very interested. I think that's funny. You like this, huh? I like this. Barry was taking a look in the book. I yeah, it over. it's just I think it's it's very it's very practical, and it's and she and, it, and she makes it very um very much makes it where somebody can actually draw these themselves. Yeah, well, that was the idea. Uh, a, they had to, there are things that I did that have been working for me for years, and B, make them, uh, use the ones that are as simple as possible so that the, you know, somebody who isn't an artist can go in there and use them. I've gotten a lot of criticism because they're too simple or the book seems too simple. Um, well, if you're not 
if you're not sort of an early on or a beginner, or if you're not uncomfortable with your artistic talents, this probably wouldn't be the book for you. Uh, this is for people who want to get the magic out, but don't consider themselves magnificent artists, and maybe don't know how to design their own yet, but they can learn, right. they can pick that up from the book. And, and that's something I've always appreciated about you, is no matter how much depth you have to your expertise, you always find a way to explain it to someone that's more, say, a lay person or someone that just doesn't have that knowledge. And you don't make them feel ignorant. You make them feel like they just need to learn. And, you, and you're there like a teacher. You're a guide. And I think there's a lot to be said for that when there's many people that <laughs> walk around and they, they can't they can't get down to other people's level. They look at other people like, ooh, muggles, you know? <laughs> I, I don't even like that term. I know. The term is... <laughs> I never use it. Uh, but yeah, I, I try to, uh, help people in any way that my skill set allows. And I have had people, uh, write to me and send me pictures of things that they've done with the different, um, designs from the book, everything from, um, carved pumpkins with the sigils that are just gorgeous to making their own um, drapeaux, which are which are flags for ritual, uh, to all kinds of things, and so I'm real excited uh, because it does and continues to be something that inspires the right people to take it and use it and move forward in a cool way. Yeah, like like the book, they're actually manifesting in their world. Exactly. Yeah, and that makes me very happy. Well, talking about practical approaches, let's get to the recent publication mm -hmm. that was done this past uh, year. I think it was... Uh, came it out. came out in August. It was August. Okay, yeah. I, I wasn't able to get my copy to a little bit later, but I got Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, is Sage Advice Concerning Paranormal Events? And I actually... I've read the book. I've read it through. And I have to admit, this is an amazing book because a lot of people try to take the paranormal like I said and they try to make it where it's like this thing that that's above everyone else that they can't understand you take all that knowledge and bring it down to earth once again for people like this is what it is you outline it and there's a lot of practical knowledge in here like this this could actually be a textbook for paranormal 101 if we want to um, my friend uh, ghost hunter extraordinaire and your uh, good friend and often third party here Michael Bill uh, he he calls it. Uh, he he says if he's going to teach a class, this will be one of the books, Ghost Hunting One Hundred and One. <laughs> Although it's really not, it's not a ghost hunting how-to book. Um, it talks about some of the things that you do and some of the devices you use and that sort of thing. But I wrote it mostly because so many people come to us in the shop and say, I think there's something going on in my house or my you know, office space or whatever, and I'm scared, I don't know what to do about it. And people really, you know, if you didn't grow up with these things like I did or like Barry did growing up with spirits or you, know, you did, mm -hmm. if you're not accustomed to it, not only is it, yes, scary, even if it's not really a terribly disturbing manifestation, but it is, also dangerous because you get 
so you see some of these paranormal shows on television, which is the only access many people have to think close to assistance. And you get some very bad information, uh, some very dangerous suggestions on those shows. If it works for those people, terrific. If those people are legit, great. Some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. We know that because we get the producers of a lot of those shows in the shop and we get to hear who is legit and who isn't. So just a warning out there, some of those shows that you're watching uh, are not legitimate. They are rigged. There are things that are going off meters and so forth because the production crew is making that happen. Um, But there are some that are very, very real and very legit and very serious in how they work. Uh, And we hear only, you know, they're always consistent. It's always these particular people don't know a damn thing about what they're doing, and it's all theater, even if maybe the people on the show it's themselves don't know, which is a little right. disturbing too. But then there are others that we consistently hear, oh no, those people, there's no fooling around. They, it, their names are associated with the show, and they take that seriously. So, you know, some of them are great. But just in case, this is something you can get a hold of, read what does my haunting or my issue that might be a haunting, what category does it fall into? And if so, here's some things I might do, including, I'm very clear, if it's at a certain level, get professionals. Exactly. And it tells you how to get professionals because, of course, a lot of people don't know how to begin in certain areas of the country to look for uh, professionals in the paranormal. So, yeah, I actually appreciate it. One of the things I wanted to talk about was what appreciated in your book. It was actually in bold type. Was the most important warning in the entire book. Would you like to tell people? <laughs> most important, no matter where you go. He's holding it up for me, so I know he's, you know. Uh, but yeah, if you are taken to ghost hunting. That's fine. Uh, get out whatever little items, you know, whatever your your portable uh, devices are going to be to hunt with, but do not hunt alone. Uh, that is very dangerous for a variety of reasons, the least of which are usually has to do with the haunting itself or what might be there as a manifestation of some kind of... Um, phenomenal energy, but people walk into houses and buildings that haven't been walked in for maybe decades. Floors fall through. Uh, Things fall down from the ceiling and hit you in the head and knock you out and nobody knows you're there. Uh, These things are very serious. They happen. They happen more than you hear about. Uh, unless you work in this world, in, in the paranormal world, then you hear about it. Uh, but there's no reason to put yourself in that danger. Go with a group of people, make sure, or at least like two or three, make sure that other people know where you are and ideally always have a working cell phone. If you can't get a signal where you're going, then be super careful. Check in with people regularly so they know you're okay so that if you haven't checked in, they know where to send help and what to do. The worst that can happen is um, 
you're okay and the professionals, the police or whatever, just leave, they found you, you're safe. But sometimes that can be really, really important and save lives. So please do not hunt alone. It's, it's just not necessary. Um, one of the other things I noticed that you had mentioned, I wouldn't mention too much because I really want people to get the book and go read it. But one of the things that you mentioned is you did mention a little bit about how divinatory or divination practices can actually be used in spiritual. Specifically, you did mention the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is uh, not to, I don't want to go into that because I want people to read the book. Right. But one of the things I actually learned is quite interesting is is if you are by yourself, and I've realized this through my own practice, and you might have known this as well. If you don't, if you don't have a group of people to do the Ouija board, a divination tool that you can pick up that might be safer, and the reason I've learned this is is a pendulum. Specifically, yes. that has a really good. The, actually, if it's full metal, it's really good. But if it's stone and metal, that works just as well. But you want that metal because of that conduction, right? Spirit. And it really does allow. I've seen some interesting results. The spirits, and it's much safer if you're by yourself. Yes, it is much. Well, the pendulum can work on two different levels. You can connect to the other side and have spirits answer questions right. with it but it can also be uh, used you can use it as though uh, and approach it um, as though you are connecting with your own subconscious which a lot of people believe has all the answers to those questions too I've actually done both I've yeah actually, I've actually done even map dowsing when it came hurricane season one mm-hmm. time we were trying to figure out where's this thing going yeah what's going on yeah and uh, so we've I've done that before um and it's just the pendulum's a simpler tool sometimes than, than say, because uh, a lot of, uh, some people use dowsing rods is another thing to use, but that's, a, one's more geomancy, one's more yes, no, it's a little different. Although if you can learn to use all of them in conjunction, you can get all kinds of Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I do appreciate that you, in the book, told people, please do not use the Ouija board by yourself. The Ouija is not. A... It, well, it's not really meant to be used by one person. No. That's not what they were designed for. Uh, they are designed to connect with the dead. Um, and if you haven't used one and you don't know how, and unfortunately, uh, Parker Brothers doesn't include instructions on <laughs> what to they do don't. and how to do this safely. If you just sit down and do what you've seen in, you know, Charmed or something, uh, the craft, this is how you use a Ouija board, uh, you can potentially bring in some stuff that you don't want to bring in to mm. your home or your space. And of course, that's where Jan and I get the phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, I accidentally opened something up or turned something on and will you uh, come and turn it off? And on occasion, when I warn someone ahead of time that this is a really bad, dangerous idea, and they go ahead and do it anyway, I will say, no, you are you are on your own with this. I warned you what would happen, and now you made it happen. Uh, no, I'm not going to get together 12 angry witches and uh, go over to your place at 3 in the morning. And we, have had, we, we had a call once at uh, 3 in the morning from a bar. The guy sounded totally, uh, totally sober. And he said, I'm in very deep trouble. I need 12 angry witches, and I need them now. <laughs> and 
And of course, we didn't even, he left the message for us and we were there. This is our home as well as our business. So we're around a lot and we just said, not even going to touch that. He is on his own. Uh, I don't know 12, I know 12 witches who would be angry if I called them up right now <laughs> and said, hey, do you want to do this? But um, I don't know 12 witches who are going to go over there. Uh, yeah, so you just have to be very careful. Exactly. And like I said, I don't want to mention too much from the book, but the last thing I want to mention is actually kind of a, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I really love the title, Sage Advice Concerning Paranormal Events, because the sage is usually like a person that's that's got wisdom and things, which is, oh, you are a sage, well, but also... The key point I want to make, though, the the thing that I thought found interesting is, is you can flip around and say advice on sage because exactly. towards the end of the book there is a little segment about the herb sage. Exactly, mm. that's it was a play on words. I loved it because so many and the um, the second part concerning paranormal events that was the publisher. Um, I just put it in as sage advice. Oh wow! Okay, so and that's and, what, yeah the bowl. And then they yeah. added the uh, the rest of the title, and they liked it. They knew it was a play on words too, and uh, yeah, there are just too many of you out there burning sage left, right, sideways, <laughs> without knowing why you're really burning it, other than it's supposed to get rid of bad. Uh, or negative energies or spirits, you have to know why you're using it, when to use it, and then what do you do after you use the sage. You can't just use the sage and everything's cool. What you do is essentially imagine that you have a glass filled with dirty water. The sage will, in essence, turn the cup upside down or the glass, and now the dirty water is out of the glass. And you put the glass back. Well, now it's a big old glass ready to collect a whole lot more dirty water unless you put something over the glass to cover it so that it can't absorb the dirty water. Sage gets the, the dirt or the negativity out, but also makes a really inviting place for it to come back in unless you know how to seal the place from these things. And I talk about those things in the book. Uh, it's a big deal. I appreciated that a lot when I was reading that. I was like, people finally need to hear this. And, and a lot of people also, they don't even understand the root. And that, that's another appreciation, I think, even though that wasn't necessarily in the book, that you go into the um, some of the roots of it. You do have connections to some of the First Nations tribes right. and their work with sage or or sweetgrass. Or, and, and, and so I like that there is... Uh, there's a knowledge base behind that that you have that these other people don't take the time sometimes to know. Like, take the time to find out what those roots were before you go use that herb. <laughs> or at least understand that if you don't have immediate access to sage, all is not lost. No. There are lots of herbs that do the same thing that don't get the same credit. Sage has become, since like the 90s, just the go-to thing and I don't personally, as someone who is part Native American, several tribes, uh, I don't see it as um, absconding with or uh, in any way 
disrespecting Native American traditions if you are not part Native American or wholly Native American and you use sage. Uh, but sometimes sage is not so plentiful in certain areas and you shouldn't use it. Let it grow, let it replenish. And there are plenty of other things you can use that are just as effective. So use it with respect. Use it with respect as you as you should everything. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So Sage Advice, actually, uh, I was actually able to purchase my copy off of Amazon. So that is uh, Amazon.com. So that's one location. Y'all right. can get that on your Amazon app. Um, where else can, and can they... Um, it's on Amazon. It's on... Um, Barnes and Noble, and of course you can get it from the publisher, which is uh, Black Moon Left Hand Press, Black Moon Publishing Left Hand Press. You can go on their website and get it. If you want a signed copy, you can contact us at the shop. Again, that's Starling Magical Occult Shop, comma New Orleans on Facebook, or Starling Occult on Instagram, and message us. And we'll tell you, we'll get get a copy for you, and I can sign it if you like. And we also will have these these links and all these different things. We'll put that in the show notes and on the social media, too. Right. Yeah. Um, before we go, the couple of things. Uh, Barry, is there anything you would like to ask Claudia? Well, I don't know. She's covered just about everything <laughs> in this short amount of time. She said a lot. And um, I think it's a it's fascinating story. And uh, I've, I've told you um, some of the stories about my, my experiences. Yes. And you know about the ghost cab. I remember I told you yes. that one. Yes, And I told you, did I tell you about um, about the old black man at the foot of the bed? No, I don't remember that one. Well, I had, uh, I was I was working driving a cab back in the, uh, in the, in the 90s. And this might have been the early 2000s. Yeah, it was the early 2000s. So it was living in the lower 94. And I got home. And my late partner was working at the Circle K. And when I got home, I kind of laid on the bed around midnight and I was watching TV and I dozed off. And when I woke up, there was an old black man sitting at the foot of my bed. Well, Fred had this bad habit of leaving the door unlocked. Oh, dear. Yeah. When he'd go do the laundry. Yeah. Because it was a double house in the lower ninth floor. My dad, it was my dad's house. He lived on the other side. And he would go do the laundry, but he had a bad habit of not doing it. I said, look, he left that door unlocked, and some drunk just kind of wandered in thinking it was his house. So I said, "This," I, I said, you're in the wrong house. And he got up off the bed. It was a double. It was a, a shotgun house, and the mm-hmm. kitchen was on one side, and there was another room on the other side. Well, he went into the kitchen, and I went in the other room to light up a cigarette. And I don't smoke anymore. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Um, That's so New Orleans. There's, there's some kind of unknown intruder before anything else, let me go get a cigarette. <laughs> I know. I don't know what made me do that. That was the weirdest thing. I'm not calling the cops. So then, <laughs> I'm not dealing with him until I have a cigarette. Either a cigarette or a drink. Yeah. One or the yeah. Other. <laughs> so it's a funny thing because I went to, uh, when I was lighting a cigarette, I said, you know, I should make sure that old guy get out of here. He, he may not even know how to find the door. So I go to the kitchen and I go to the back door to, you know, He's gone, so I go to lock the door, and the door was locked away from the inside. Mm-hmm. So the bathroom was right there. I went to see if he, he wandered in the bathroom. He didn't. I said, well, the only thing I can think of is that he wandered and went out the front door when I wasn't looking. Let me go check the front door. Front door wasn't, wasn't locked. Was, 
Well, from the inside. Right. Oh, God. I was like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> yeah. And then I knew what it was. And now that I remember, he was like in tattered clothes. Now, you know, Lower Ninth Ward, St. Bernard Parish, all that area. Right. From the Marigny on was Bernard Marigny's plantation. Mm-hmm. And I'm, a, I, I, I'm thinking that maybe he was an enslaved servant. That's very possible, And yeah. I remember now I've seen him before. Because when I was a child, about four years old, I woke up one day and there was an elderly black man dressed like that, pointing at me and smiling. Of course, it scared the hell out of me. I was well, four sure. years old. Yeah. And I screamed and my mom came in. And then another time, we lived in a house right in Araby, right around where the tornadoes just hit. Yeah. It was mm. a house there. And I saw him again, and he picked me up and started playing with me. And he had a strawberry birthmark. Mm-hmm. It was the same man. Huh. I see people a lot in dreams. And, and this is my theory. I, th- I believe that there are levels of, of consciousness and existence. And I think we are on this, we're on the lowest level there is. Probably, Probably, yeah, I would agree. And with then that. I think when when someone when the, someone departs, they're on a level. They're like one of the higher levels. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the the time we can actually meet them, especially when we have a, a, a proficiency to 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 attract them, is in this mid level. And the only way we can get to that mid level is when we are in REM, which we, we're actually in a meditational hypnotic state. Mm-hmm. Is that that's the only time? And I've seen my mom. I've seen my late partner. Um, I saw my cousin Jennifer that just passed away. I see I see all these people I know, and I've seen people that I never met before. Mm-hmm. There's one more thing I wanted to tell you about. I was going to tell you off the air, but I decided I'm going to tell you on the air because we still have a little extra time. Here. I'll go for it. Um, <laughs> we have cemeteries all around where we live in Gentilly. Right. We have the Jewish cemetery on one side, and we have Mount Abilette, which is where a lot of musicians are buried. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know Lance, right? Of course. You know Lance loves to go out walking through cemeteries late at night. And at this time, Mount Abilette didn't have their fences up. So Curtis, Lance, and I went walking through Mount Abilette. And you know who Shirley Goodman is? No. You know, uh, come on, baby, let the good times roll. Oh, of course. Shirley yeah. and Lee. And you know Shirley and Company, she did 20 years. Uh, right? she yeah, did. okay. Shame, yeah. shame, 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 shame yeah, on yeah. you if you can't dance too. So yeah. when we went into that cemetery and when we came back, her song kept playing. Mm-hmm. It would come on the television. It would come on my phone. It would come on, on my car radio <laughs> just without me playing anything. And I think it came on when Philip was in the car. It one did. Time, it, did. It? Yeah. it did. It did. And it was like, damn, what is this? I think she attached herself to, to one of us, probably mm-hmm. me, because but Curtis says that she played on his car radio too. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she was gone. Yeah. She was gone. She it's like she just moved on. She she went there and I, I, and then I found out from a friend of mine that I had actually known her back in my theater days. She used to come to my shows. Oh, cool. So that may be why she she may have recognized me and that may be why she attached to me. Yeah, I ha- I have one kind of like that who's mm. here and he will if you if you talk to him, he will uh show up um for, for those uh, musician sorts or people who are into uh, rock music, um, my husband and I were musicians. We are musicians. We met in uh, working in a band together. Uh, the uh, Johnny Thunders of the New York Dolls, who died only a few blocks from here, uh, yeah, I think I remember is, that. if you want to talk to him, he's here. The way I learned that... 
and I had many ties to him mm -hmm. back when I was, uh, yeah, yeah, I was a kid, but I, mm -hmm. I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing <laughs> that young. I had many ties. I did to a lot Ryan. of things I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, <laughs> it was New York, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was very young, but that's how it was in those days. Um, I had a lot of ties to the New York Dolls, and to all the the original punk scene and all of that. And uh, one night I came in here and my phone was off. Uh, I'm a huge Johnny Thunders fan, mm -hmm. but because I have all the like pretty much everything on vinyl or on um, CD, I never listen like on Amazon to his music because mm -hmm. I don't need to. Yeah. And the phone came on, and it's playing probably his biggest solo hit, Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory. Wow. And I had been uh, teaching the song to someone who is a, also a professional musician, but works more in outlaw country music and had never heard of Johnny Thunders and just loved, fell in love with the song, fell in love with playing it. We were working it up. And I see this happen, it's very late at night, uh, and I see the phone go on and it's playing this, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, if somebody is here, I think I know who, um, I, I'll turn this off, I'm not in the mood to deal with this right now. <laughs> so I turned it off, and I, I forget what I was doing, but I had, I, I was on a mission yeah. here in our living room. Yeah, with the coffin table. And it came back on again. And I said, okay, obviously you want to talk. And I said, well, uh, what do you want to talk about? What's going on? I didn't get much of anything. One more time, though, the phone came on and played Can't Put Your Arms Around the Memory. Uh -huh. And then I said, okay, well, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, I even put the recorder on the phone on, you know, mm -hmm. if I played it back, I didn't hear anything. So the next night, um, a friend of mine who uh, is one of the people who runs the ghost hunts, Rob Pryor, he uh, brought one of the hunts back. Mm -hmm. And I had told him about this because he's also a New York, a former New York uh, rock musician. And I said, yeah, it was, it was really crazy. But it, it would make sense in a way because I had a lot of connections yes, to Johnny. Yeah, the personal connection. And he died so close, so yeah. nearby. So he said, well, I would love to talk to him. So during the hunt with all the people, he said, uh, Johnny Thunders, are you around uh, I hear you were trying to talk to Claudia last night and over the device he was using and I forget which one it was this one that gives voice yeah you know, uh, very clearly with a strong New York slightly nasal accent comes oh yeah <laughs> and he said you knew I, I knew because I've heard you know mm -hmm. I've heard him talk enough uh, in, in interviews and things, I, I yeah. knew that that voice, and he's like, "Oh, he was right there." Yeah, he. And since then, he's also spoken to him. So he comes around a lot. So he does come. There are several who are here all the time. 
I don't know if he's he here keeps all your the secrets, time. Though, right? Oh, keep, oh, they all keep secrets. Okay, yeah, good. Just, make it, just good. making sure they're okay. Uh, I have one, too. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's just, it's funny because, um, it just, yeah, like you, you, I had this connection to him Yeah. that I, you know, I certainly wouldn't think I'd be the first person that he'd come to, but there is a connection, and we're near where he died, and there you go. Well, I'm going to say this one more thing real quick before we go, before we go through the social media and everything. You, you've heard of Marcy Marcel, the drag performer, right? Yeah, oh, sure. Oh, yeah, she was a good friend of mine. And one night I, had, I saw her in one of those dreams. And I said, Marcy, you're dead. And you know what she said? She said, I'm not dead. My body is. Right, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, that's what it is. Yeah. So anyway, I want to thank you, Claudia, for this great interview, this great show. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so um, much. Oh, yeah. sweetheart. Oh, always. And I do you. have to make one funny mention in the book. She, is, I can attest and witness to the consumption of the Diet Dr. Pepper that's in, <laughs> in the book. There is a little, little bit in the book about kind that, of, and I can attest to kind that. Kind of like Tammy Faye with the Diet Coke. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's Diet Dr. Pepper. But no, we appreciate that. And... We will let Barry in a moment do social media, but was there any last final thought you want to give the listeners? I want to give you that opportunity. Um, yeah, we have a couple minutes. Okay. Oh, well, I guess the uh, the things I would want to say would be, uh, again, where paranormal issues are involved, if anybody's having an issue out there, feel free to reach out to us. That's part of what we do. Uh we can put you in the right direction or we can help you. It just depends on what's going on. Or if you're having some sort of a occult issue and you want to learn more but you're not sure what direction to take, that's also part of what we do. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us. And if you're interested in paranormal investigation, by all means, take the hunt. The cool thing about it for people who are not from New Orleans but who visit is that you also get to see a living, breathing uh, New Orleans French Quarter home. Um, and most of the time you don't get, if as a tourist, you don't get to go inside them unless they are... Yeah, they know the tours don't take you in. No, they don't. Unless, you know, it's something like yeah. a famous historic house. But then it's set up as a famous historic house with yeah. velvet ropes around things and it's different. So, um, by all means, check out The Hunt at the New Orleans Paranormal Society. And you can call them um, or contact them on their web page, and they will hook you up. Or contact me, contact us, and we'll, we'll hook you up with that, too. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank we you. We appreciate and love um, you so much, Claudia. All righty. You. you can follow us on, on, on Twitter at Shothers. Instagram page is at Open Shutters Podcast. Facebook page, the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. Our email is, we have two emails. We have openshutters at yahoo.com and movie shutters. If you have any movie suggestions of movies you would like us to review, movie shutters at aol.com. So until next week. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. No, don't. And but if Unless you're a spirit, you're a ghost that died that way. And you can go. <laughs> or you can go flying out the window if you're a ghost. Thank right. you. Yeah, y'all have a very, very great week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.